This is On The Radar, and it's me, Radar, as always, but not local national sports and pop culture. This is the 2023 MLB preview of the Eastern Division. If you're looking for the Central or the West, those are separate podcasts. If you're looking for any of the American League, those are separate. If you're looking for my written preview and the division standings, check out OnTheRadarMedia.com or on the Radar Entertainment blog for the links to everything or the blog account, Radar4428. Or Twitter, Raider4428, where I'll post links to these podcasts. And as always, you can get your podcast anywhere, Apple, Google, or Spotify. Now, I can be a little biased. The Mets are my second favorite team. My mom being from New York and, you know, being a Sox fan, so I got a National League team. The Mets were also disappointing last year. When you win, when you win that many games, you win 101 games, have identical record to the Braves, but the Braves win the tiebreaker because you can't beat them towards the end. And, like, the playoffs just go... Not how you wanted it to go. That's where you're just like, what happened there? You know, the the Mets were a little bit disappointing last year, but I still think on paper, they're, them and Atlanta are probably the two teams to beat that are not the Dodgers or the Cardinals this year. And that is due to the strength of Max Scherzer being the ace of this rotation. Now that Jacob DeGrom's officially went elsewhere, for a lot of money. Oh, so sad. DeGrom has left. Well, guess what? He he was going to cost a lot of money. He's been injury prone the last few years. And when he won these Cy Youngs, it's not like he won 20 games. It was like a 13 or 15 game winner. Not great. Okay? And this division, Atlanta, is relying on pitchers who've been in the league for a few years or old man Charlie Morton. While Philly is relying on the top heavy Nola and Wheeler rotation. But then the last three are question marks. So that's why the Mets go, okay, finally lose to Grom. Well, let's get Justin Verlander. He just won the American League Cy Young last year. Like, well, he's coming off Tommy John surgery, and he's like 40 years old. But, like, literally, he and Scherzer have done this for a long time. They were teammates at one point. So it's all about win now, Mo, which makes sense with all the money that uh, Stephen Cohen is born throwing around. They picked up Jose Quintana, who bounced back after a few rough years to be good for the Pirates and the Cardinals last year. And they signed Japanese import Cody Senga, Senga, and they still got Carlos Carrasco, who bumps all the way down to the fourth or fifth spot. So he doesn't have the pressure of being at the top. That's a good one through five. And David Peterson or McGill is your sixth starter, whoever it is, it's fine. Now, unfortunately, Katana had a rib fracture or something in his rib, and he's going to miss time. So already, someone is missing time due to injury. So Peterson or McGill have to come in. But over the course of a season, it's always good to have two extra starting pitchers around. Based on all the innings they pitch, and on paper, it's not bad. Now, Edwin Diaz was re-signed because, like, we can't lose him. Well, because this is an updated podcast and not a preview I, I was writing a few weeks back. He tore something in his knee while celebrating, even though this team didn't win the World Baseball Classic. They just won to the next round. He's out for the rest of the year. The Mets got lucky that they re-signed Adam Adovino and they signed Dave Robertson and kept the likes of Tommy Hunter around. They picked up Dennis Santana off waivers. For them... That's good news for them because Robertson has been a closer on like four or five teams and he's rebuilt his brand after missing some time due to injury a couple of years back. Adovino has closed some games and has pitched for Red Sox and Yankees in big games. They got some pitching depth with Jeff Brigham and Elysia Hernandez coming from the Marlins. They got Jimmy Acabana. So they got some depth. Brooks Rayleigh, Drew Smith. But they don't have a lockdown closer, but fine. They may at the deadline get a middle relief guy, but between Adovino and Robertson, it's not bad. Then you get to the, the offense. 
a lineup that has Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, Eduardo Escobar, Francisco Lindor, Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, and at one point they were like, we got Darren Ruff or Daniel Vogel back at DH. It looks like Darren Ruff, not going to make the team, which is fine by me. You only really need one DH, and Vogelbach is lefty, and they're more right-handed hitters in baseball, and Ruff is a terrible outfielder, so I don't want to see him as a backup outfielder. I want the backup outfield spots to be actual backup outfielders. So on paper, you're like, that's really good. And McCann, I like the guy. Really professional catcher, good person to the fans, like good fan connections. But the dude, A, hasn't been healthy or productive with the Mets, and they were paying him all this money. Tomas Nito is a quality backup catcher, so the Mets went and signed Omar Navarro, who is a good offensive catcher. I wouldn't say he's a great defense catcher, but again, just adds to this lineup. The thing that the Mets need to figure out is Jeff McNeil is not a three or five hitter. He won the batting title despite bouncing around. I prefer him to be second because Starling Marte drives in a lot of runs, but that's no here nor there. I'm also glad that Carlos Correa failed his physical and the Mets didn't shell out all that money to put him at third base. So then they have to figure out where to send Eduardo Escobar when literally at some point this year that Beattie and Valentos, they're two of their pro- top offensive prospects. Are they going to come up at some point this season and probably displace Eduardo Escobar's everyday third baseman? Which is fine because Escobar, natural-born shortstop, has literally played all four infield spots and some left field in his career. So, you know, Beattie and Vientos, I mean, Bat and Vientos will make an impact offensively this year. But you can do no worse than Luis Guillorme is backup infield number one. Danny Mendick tore his like, ACL, MCL last year with the White Sox, so he's still probably not 100%, but at some point he'll be a useful backup. Okay, and then signing Tommy Fan to be the fourth outfielder, I thought was a little bit interesting because Tommy Fan hasn't been an everyday center fielder for years. He's more of a corner le- guy, more of a left fielder. But if Nimmo is who's nursing an injury right now, may start not start the year with them. At least offensively, Tommy Fan's a good player. I just don't want to see Mark Canna, who we've been over as a first baseman, masquerading as an outfielder, so left field is fine. Marte has knee issues. I don't want him in center field. That it would be nice to have Tommy Fan in the outfield just as a center field option. And it also doesn't hurt that Tim LaCastro and Abraham Almonte were picked up on minor league deals. They just literally just give you straight up defense in center field. That's the good thing. So the Mets need to take Marcana off the depth chart on the website. But either way, though, the Mets do have, are hurt already with Diaz being out for the year and Nim Nimmo probably going to be maybe miss the start of the year. And at the same time, Quintana is going to miss the start of the year. So I think if I were them, that TJ McFarlane should make the bullpen at some point because he's a veteran. And having Michael Perez is not bad to have around, but literally if anything happens to catcher, they're going to call up their number one prospect, the catcher. Arauz and Peraza are probably not going to get any playing time if Danny Mendick gets it. But also, Jalen Davis. Between him and Castro and Amante, you got quality backup outfield options. DJ Stewart can maybe potentially take Darren Ruff's spot as a corner outfielder DH because that would help them out because he's got a good bat in his lineup. A good bat, DJ Stewart, but he's not a great fielder. But yeah, Francisco Alvarez may come up at some point and literally just take the catching job from Omar Navarez, which it's not a bad thing for that to happen. Now the Braves are really the team to beat. I may be a little biased with rooting for the Mets, but literally the Mets are a tough team to beat. The Braves, though, are a tough team to beat because last year they stupidly played Adam Duvall in center field, 
when we've been over this with you, if you check out my podcast about the Red Sox or listen to any rants about the Red Sox and Adam Duvall or last year with the Braves. The dude is a natural-born third base, and then San Francisco moved to outfield, and then he had a good offensive career with the Reds. Then he went back and forth between Atlanta and Miami, being a good corner outfielder, playing some right field occasionally. He's best suited to play left field. And that was the issue last year with Rosario and Ozuna, where Rosario is not a good outfielder. They didn't want Acuna playing center field because they want to keep this guy healthy, which is on one half of the issue when he shouldn't be leading off because he could literally be a 45 home run and 120 RBI guy if you bat him in the lineup. But that's no... Either here nor there. We're getting to the outfield issue. So Duval played center field, and guess what? He eventually got hurt. And even though Marcelo Zuna is a natural-born center fielder who won a gold glove as, a, as an outfielder, they're like, we can't trust them. One guy, Rosario D.H. Ozuna, plays left field or whatever they want to do. So they got the Acuna, Rosario, and Ozuna, and Acuna, the three of them, great offensive players. That sets your lineup there. You have... The Austin Riley at third base, who proven he's a good offensive player. I don't know if he's a world-class defensive player, but Chipper Jones wasn't a world-class defensive player. You just need a good offensive guy. And Ozzy Albies, literally the last few seasons, has literally not been healthy for a full season. But again, really good offensive player at his position, can feel this position. They let Freddie Freeman go, and I think and I'm going to get to this, which I did on the AL West one. Is they literally said, you know what? We're not going to give Freddie Fee whenever he wants. We're going to go trade prospects for Matt Olson, who is a superior defensive player. But I don't know if he's on the same level as Freddie Freeman offensively is. And we're going to give you Christian Pache. And we're going to give you Shane Legoliers, who's one of the best catchers in the pro- prospects in baseball and whatever else. This year, they're like, you know what? Because we traded Shane Legolier, and even though Darno made the alter team last year, despite being injured, and, William, and, Will, and Wilson Contreras made the alter team last year, and we have Manny Pini, a quality defensive backup catcher. Let's say they have three catchers. No, 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 no. We're going to go trade for Sean Murphy, who, if you look this up, Sean Murphy, what accolades did this guy have as a catcher, besides from being considered one of the best catchers in baseball? Zero all-star appearances and won a gold glove two years ago. Well, I think Wilson Contreras, I mean, William Contreras, excuse me, the younger brother, and Darno, I think they had the can catching position handled on lock. Like they didn't need to go trade it, so they traded like a, one, a number one prospect and a number sixteen prospect after already trading a bunch of prospects for Matt Olson. The A's are like, we'll oblige, we'll give you two of our players because we don't care, we don't want to try, and we'll take prospect after prospect. And in this lineup, Sean Murphy would be probably back at the bottom of the lineup because if they do what they're supposed to. And Michael Harris, who came out, who was called up last year and was incredible as their center fielder, spark prog. And they literally were batting him eighth or ninth with Vaughn Grisham, who was playing second base when Albies was hurt. And I was like, that's good. The rookies have not a lot of pressure batting the, in the bottom. Then they started moving up higher and higher. I'm like, why is he batting fifth, sixth, or seventh? Seventh's fine, but why is he batting fifth or sixth? Like, literally, the whole point was he was supposed to replace Acuna as your everyday center fielder, full-time, and your leadoff hitter. But batting him 6th or 7th is stupid when he's not going to hit 30, 40 home runs. He's got the speed and the on-base capability. So he should be playing center field every day like what he's going to be, but he should be leading off. Okay? So they filled their hole in center field in Michael Harris. Okay? So Kuna and Rosario got protection as a good defensive guy in center field, and Ozuna's DHing. They lost Danzy Swanson. That's the real question. And like last year with the Astros where people are like, you got... Nico Goodrum and Alesmith Diaz, these veteran players, they're going to take over the shortstop spot because they're going to have opportunity to play every day. Jeremy Pena came out of nowhere, won their spot. I was, and everyone else was like, wait, isn't Vaughn Grisham a shortstop? Isn't he going to win the job out of spring training? 
They said, nope, Orlando Garcia, the Milwaukee Brewers shortstop, who lost his job to in Milwaukee and literally had to learn how to play the outfield to be valuable. Nah, he's not he's not gonna he's not he's gonna be the everyday shortstop. While youngsters, you know, Brandon Schmeke, who's also a shortstop, he and Vaughn Grisham are both demoted to the minor leagues. I'm like Atlanta. He's your only question mark is a young player who played a little bit of last year filling in for Ozzy Albies. If he's your number nine hitter and Sean Murphy's your number eight hitter, because literally Michael Harris and Ozzy Albies are at the top, and you got Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Rosario, and Ozuna, literally three through seven, what's the problem? Like, I don't understand that fans are probably mad because Orlando Garcia is not a world beater, man. Like, no one understands that. Like, that makes absolutely no sense, okay? And they brought back a minor league deal, Andreanza, and they even had a Danny Echeverria. Both guys have played for Atlanta at least once, if not twice, before coming back here, and that's AAA depth, or major league backups, not starting thing. And they even brought in Yomer Sanchez, a shortstop, who's won a gold glove again. Those are not the options. You want to go with one of the two young guys, the guy I can't pronounce his name really well, or Vaughn Grisham. They also were smart in that in case Acuna or any one of their outfielders go down, they signed Kevin Pillar and that Menera Sierra to a minor league deal. Pillar's that gold glove caliber outfielder, and, and Sierra is a former prospect who has a level of potential, but he can feel his position. They also got the Rockies backup center fielder, Sam Hilliard, and they got platoon guy Jordan Luplo, who can play all three outfield spots. He's played some first base, and he's dh and right there, they're like, we're not taking any chances. If between Hilliard, Lupo, Pilar, and Sierra, we got backup outfield on lock. That's a good thing. What the rotation is, that's why I'm a little bit questionable, is because Charlie Morton's old, okay? Sorry to say, he's been on the block, he's old, okay? Max Fried is a good pitcher. I like him, Jewish guy, decided not to pitch for Team Israel, whatever the case is. I don't know if I trust him and Morton at the top of the lineup when you got Scherzer and Verlander as the other two guys. Kyle Wright? He literally won 27 games last year because Atlanta's a really good team, and they gave him a lot of run support. Spencer Strider was a co-runner up, was a runner-up in Rookie of the Year to Michael Harris. So again, he's going into second year of Kyle Wright's league for a few years. Now it looks like on their depth chart because of Kyle Wright's injury, they need two guys. They're going to look with this Dylan Dodd or Jared Shuster, and I'm looking at this like, um, I know you're not going to start Jesse Chavez because he's a reliever, and you have him basically like Brian Moran for organizational depth and stuff like that. But I'm wondering, why didn't Ian Anderson, when he came up in Atlanta, I think won the World Series a few years back, and he was up there, that he actually, like, was a real contributor to the team. That's where I'm, like, I'm a little confused. I understand the Michael Soroka dude who has been healthy in two to three seasons. He's got to work his way back. But I don't know what Ian Anderson has, has done to prove that he's not good enough to be the fifth starter or be the injury replacement guy. That's where I'm, like, questioning a lot of question marks on guys you're not sure about. They will take the chances on, on on starting pitching, which is important, but not one position. Now, the bullpen, Racio Iglesias, they said he could start the year on the injury list, but guess what? That's an all-star closer. That was a good move to get him at the deadline. Joe Menace is not an all-star, but he made the Tigers all-star team. They made the all-team of the Tiger. He's been around the block. Bring, keeping Jesse Chavez and Colin McHugh, who are, I guess, my arguing of Colin McHugh being a starter, they don't care anymore. The two of them being as multi-inning relievers helps them out. A.J. Minter and Tyler Matesek, has been, have been good guys for their bullpen. And you also forget that they had Kirby Yates, who was coming back from injury last year and wasn't the same guy. 
if him, if on paper Iglesias and Kirby Yates have saves in their under their belt, and they could be your eighth or ninth inning guys, and Joe Jimenez, AJ Minter, Tyler Masek, and McHugh and Chavez, and maybe Husker, you know what? Not bad. But then you had the fact that they got Lucas Lettage from the Yankees, who I don't know why they designated him for assignment. He was good, and they got Nick Anderson, who used to be on the Rays, and the Marlins, who was pitching crucial leverage innings for the Rays. That you're like, wait a minute. Nick Anderson, Lucas Lettich, Kirby Yates, and Racio Iglesias, Joe Jimenez. Either they've been closers or they've been had some stretches of great pitching or made the all-star team. And then you got to add the multi-inning guys, Minter and Maysick. That this bullpen is actually better than you thought. So that's why you're like, huh. The Mets bullpen, when losing Edwin Diaz, you make Robertson and Adovino have to, and Tommy Hunter, who have saves in their career, work harder. They literally go, we could pick and choose Iglesias. Nick Anderson or Kirby Yates, who's going to get the save? Who's going to pitch eighth or ninth? Joe Jimenez and Tyler Maysick. Joe Jimenez and Lucas uh, can come in and pitch situationally. Lucas Lettage, Tyler Maysick, and Minter can be lefty guys. They come in whenever they need to get a multiple left-handed hitters because they got to face three batters now with the rule. And McHugh and Chavez are good, uh, you know, multi-inning guys. So literally on paper. They literally was like, we got to fix every problem this team has. We have ourselves four backup outfielders potentially to avoid injury. We got three backup shortstops, and Andre Anzer, Echeverria, and Yomer Sanchez when they got into camp. And they said to themselves that, that literally for them, that that be, that that we we cannot take chance of the shortstop. We're gonna take chance of the shortstop. Well, they cut Echeverria, but the point is that they they weren't taking any prisoners when it comes to figuring out the shortstop spot, the fourth outfielder spot, and the bullpen. Like really, the question is why aren't they letting? Ian Anderson be the fifth starter, and Vaughn Grisham or the other guy play shortstop. That's the problem. Okay, Phillies. People may not like that. I think that they may make, miss the playoffs and Milwaukee gets the other wild card spot. But that's based on the starting pitching of Milwaukee and their all-star closer, which Philly doesn't have a one through six rotation or seven and an all-star closer. They got Sir Anthony Dominguez, who's been their closer on and off the past three to four years because they tried other dudes and they failed and realized maybe he's the best option. Alvarado can fling it, and they went and got two other guys who used to be closers on other people's teams, so that's they, they beefed up the bullpen there. But just because they made it to the World Series last year doesn't mean they're going to get back to the World Series or even make the, be the playoffs. Rob Thompson, he's the official manager going forward. And on paper, a rotation of Nolo Weaver and Zach and, and Tejon Walker and Ranger Suarez, that's a good one through four. But the problem is Suarez is going to start the year injured and Walker is injury prone. And they let Eflin go, Syndergaard go, Kyle Gibson. They let three to four starting pitchers leave them, you know, in free agency and only really said, you know what, Tejon Walker. Now they're like, well, we got Bailey Falter. His name is Falter. And in some of the starts he pitched last year, they were, eh, you know, that Matt Stram, who's been wanting to be a starter for years between San Diego, Seattle, and Boston, is going to get the opportunity. But again, he hasn't been a full-time starter in years. So that's where I'm like questioning the rotation. And I love Craig Kimmel. He's one of my favorite pitchers of all time. But if you're asking him to be a setup man, he's not a setup man. That's the problem. He, That's why it didn't work out with the White Sox. He is not a setup man. 
I would want him to close, but then you're like, what about Gregory Soto? The Tigers just gifted you a two-time All-Star closer. That's the question there. And obviously, offensively, a lineup of JT Ramuto, Reese Hoskins, Alec Bohm, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwerber, Nikki Castellanos, and Bryce Harper. You can't beat that, okay? And if the only hole is that offensively, you know, Brandon Marsh is your everyday center fielder, and Jake Cave or this Dalton Guthrie guy are his backups, and that Ed Munnisoso and Bryson, Ed Munnisoso and Josh Harrison are going to back up Bryson Stott, who was the shortstop last year, to be the second baseman. Cool. That's fun and dandy. But then you had the the wrinkle that Harper had surgery in the offseason, which didn't let him play for Team USA, and he's going to miss the first half of the season. So you have to overcome your MVP All-Star right fielder not playing the first half of the season. So they're like, we want to get better. So they said. No more Gene Segura or Didi Gregorius. We're going to give a long-term deal to Trey Turner, whose game is about speed and, you know, getting on base, and he has some pop in his lineup. But for a long-term deal, speed declines. So if they're smart, they will stop putting Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot so that his 30 to 40 home run caliber seasons are not wasted on solo shots. And they're actually, when he comes up, batting cleanup because without Harper, it's going to be Castellanos and him batting three and four. And, and, and Real Muto and Bohm are going to be 5th and 6th, that you want Trey Turner at the top of the lineup with either Bryson Stott or Brandon Marsh batting 2nd and the other guy batting ninth. Now, with Bryce Harper missing time, I feel like the most obvious candidate to DH is either Schwarber or Castellano so that you can get one defensive liability out of the outfield, which looks like Dalton Guthrie or Jake Cable will then get an opportunity to play every day, which, again, may not be the best opportunity for them because they're not everyday players. And you're like, wait, what about Reese Hoskins? You mentioned, well, he tore his ACL in spring training. For those who are upset about Diaz hurting his knee in the Webbs Classic, this dude injured it while in the spring training, like Gavin Lux, the Dodgers. So, no Harper, and now you're not going to have Reese Hoskins in the lineup, which sucks for him personally because this is his walk year. He's about to be frigid next year. So, this Derek Hall guy who literally played last year for a month or so and was hitting bombs out of the ballpark, he's going to take over the first base spot. But that still leaves the DH spot open, which is why Schwerber or Castellanos is going to have to be the DH for the first half of the season until Harper comes back. Now, you could say that, well, you can make Derek Hall the DH and get Schwerber or Castellanos out of the outfield and have one of them play first base. That's a possibility. The other possibility is slide Bohm over to third to first base, which they've done before, and let Edmundo Sosa, Josh Harrison, or uh, you know Scott Kinger, who they're still paying a lot of money, slide in and play third base. So it's really going to be a romp times to figure out Without Harper for the first half and Hoskins for the whole season, is it worthwhile to keep both Schwarber and Castellanos as everyday corner guys when they can't field? But then who's going to play the outfield spot? Is it worth it to put one at first base and make Derek Hall at DH? Or are you just going to little DH Schwarber or, or Castellanos? Or are you going to slide Bowman over the first base and play utility guy at third base? And they literally also can just be like, you know what? We're going to DH it to your mutual a couple days a week. Just keep the guy fresh or play him at first base a couple days a week. Keep him fresh. And let Garrett Stubbs play more because he's a quality backup catcher. That's really like they got to do now. They got to figure out two major spots in the lineup, and the rotation is not as good. Now, on minor league deals, Jake Jewell and John Dumlinther, they've been around the block. And they got Jonathan Hickson and Ramos Garcia. But again, they literally have the best catcher, and they're one of the best backup catchers. Those two guys are waste, wasteful. And they have VL, Macy, and Scott Kinger, as I mentioned, a minor league deal. Not so great. So that's how the NL East is, where Atlanta, New York, and Philly are the t- t- contenders. 
And then you got Washington and Miami, where Marlins are lucky that the Nationals have been so bad the past couple of years that in previous years, they've been mostly last place team, except for when Philly was really bad one year or Atlanta was really bad. But Miami is going to take a, pay, a step back because I don't know if Sandy Alcantara is going to have the same all-star Cyan caliber year. He's a good pitcher, and he's been getting up there every year, but he's the number one guy. He doesn't have that protection in the rotation that he has with Pablo Lopez because they trade away Pablo Lopez. Jesus Lazardo, he's got all the potential from the A's, but the question is, can he put it all forward? Can he be healthy? Same thing with this Edward Cabrera guy. Now, Trevor Rogers is a good quality guy as a back-end guy, but someone's got to step up for Pablo Lopez, and just signing Johnny Cueto as a veteran to eat innings is not going to do it. I think the bold move is that Sixto Sanchez is healthy. He was supposed to be the number one guy in that trade with Philly, right? Because we already know Horofaro, that did not work out for them. That was the harm of starting Sixto Sanchez. Like, he's supposed to be the, the real deal. Why don't you just start him? So the rotation took a step back. The bullpen also took a step back because you traded away Richard Blyer for Matt Barnes, who's been a failed closer. Okay, JT Chargo, Dylan Floral, they don't, as even Okrit, they don't really scare anybody. AJ Puck is a young ace pitcher that he can throw a lot fast, but again, their bullpen, not really good. And they still have a glove first catcher, Jacob Stallings. And what I'm going to get to is their whole lineman is out of whack. So in the offseason, they started off with, well, Jazz Chisholm's going to come back from injury. He'll be the second baseman. Garrett Cooper made the all-star team, but no, his offensive stats were horrible last year. I just don't understand it. And Miguel Ross is still going to be their shortstop. Brian Anderson became a free agent, so maybe, just maybe, John Birdie gets an opportunity to play every day. They go out and they acquired Gene Segura. And my response was like, okay, well then, is Segura going to bump Miguel Rojas off the shortstop spot? Or is he going to play third base? Well, he's going to play third base, a position that he's not qualified to play because he played it briefly a little bit with the Phillies, but he's literally been a shortstop or second base his whole career. That's issue number one. Number two is they went and traded Miguel Rojas. I'm like, ah, Miguel Rojas has been traded. So you know what? That, that frees up shortstop. For Segura to slide into his natural spot, or Jazz Chisholm, who is a shortstop when he came up to slide into his position as shortstop, and Segura will just handle second base because Jazz Chisholm should be, should I've been saying for years, should be getting an opportunity to play his everyday position because Roas is a glorified utility guy, glove first guy, and then Joey Wendell would play third base because he's literally played mostly second base, third base in his career. Mm-mm-mm. They announced that Gene Segura is going to stay at third base. They announced that Jazz Chisholm is going to move to center field. And that Birdie is not going to be the second baseman or the third baseman or the shortstop. But Joey Wendell's going to be the shortstop. So literally, let's take Chisholm out of the infield and have him learn how to play the outfield like the Gordon in the past and Catal Marte in the past and a few other guys. Obviously, Mookie Betts is the extreme case, but he didn't play infield for a good amount of years. It was very brief. So they're going to have Jazz Chisholm play center field where he's out of position where already he's an okay second baseman, natural-born shortstop. So you think he can – so you think, yeah, he's a shortstop, he can do it. But he's got to play center field, which is a new position. Literally, it's going to make the outfield defense bad in that very spacious outfield. I don't care how fast Jazz Chisholm is. He's got poking guys like Jorge Soler and Avi Garcia, who are – both of them are really should be DHing and not both of them and – and the two of them should not be playing the outfield at the same time. So if that's your starting outfield, those three guys, offensively, cool. Defensively, no. And then you're like, well – Joey Wendell's not a shortstop, so defensively that's going to be bad. Chitagura's not a third baseman. That's defensively a bad decision to do. 
And then they acquired Luis Arai, who the Twins decided that they'd rather have Jorge Polanco than him at second base. And he's gonna and he's the reigning AL batting champ. But he literally last year played more games at first base, DH, right field, and left field than he literally played at second base. So he had to get himself adjusted back to playing second base every day. And people are questioning how good he is defensively. I would have had no problem if you put him at third base, which he played a lot of innings, and slid Segura back to second base. Or Segura can play second base, slide him to third base, and put a rise at first base because he played so much first base last year for Minnesota and played it in the World Baseball Classic for his country. That would be the situation. But the problem I'm issuing is they like Garrett Cooper, but if you make Garrett Cooper the DH... That would mean, again, Soler Navigarcia playing the outfield, which I didn't like that Jesus Sanchez and Brian De La Cruz literally were one of the many guys who played center field last year for Miami. Instead of giving those guys an everyday opportunity to play center field or left field or right field, it's going to be a timeshare because some days you're going to have Avi and Soler and Jazz as a starting outfield, and some days Avi or Soler are going to DH and Garrett Cooper's going to play first base. But if you want Garrett Cooper to DH and arise and this other stuff, that's why they're going to play arise second base. Then they're going to play Wendell a shortstop. was not a shortstop. Segura third base. And Chaz hit him in center. And it's a whole mess. I feel bad for Skip Schumacher. He paid his dues once he retired working for San Diego and the Cardinals. And then got his opportunity to manage. Because he's got to figure out, how am I going to fix the worst defensive outfielder? But then how am I going to give my young center outfielders a chance? How am I going to fix this infield? Guys playing out of position. Like, that's just where the questions that come into this Miami team. And to add things further, in the offseason, they had spoke to Yuli Gurriel about a major league deal. He said, I don't know yet. A low-ball deal. They don't want that. So he signed a minor league deal along with Jose Iglesias. And on paper, Jose Iglesias is probably the best defensive shortstop they have because we know Segura's never been the greatest shortstop, even though Birdie and Jazz Chisholm has played shortstop in their career. They're not on this team as good as Gene Segura would be. Wendell's not a shortstop. And so on paper, they signed Iglesias to my league deal. What is he going to do, be a glorified utility infielder? That doesn't do anything. Then they went and got Yuli Gurriel, who at this point, because of the whole Garrett Cooper first base and two slugging DH outfielders and Jazz Chisholm in center and Segura out of position and Wendell out of position and Luis Harai, that they said that Gurriel's probably going to make the team, but it looks like Gurriel's going to be a glorified utility player where he's going to pop up one day at third base, one day at second base, and one day at first base, and one day at DH. Which, again, is they got too many people in the kitchen as they too many cooks in the kitchen. And that's just a recipe for disaster that I don't know what they want to do. And their minor league deals like Chichi Gonzalez, G.F. Hartfling, and Devin Smelter, they don't really do anything for the rotation. So I'm sorry to skip Schumacher, but it's going to be a long season. You're just lucky that Washington is better. But Luis Ureta, who's been around the block before in terms of coaching, and John Mabry's been around the block, Mel Stoudemire, you got your buddy John Jay and Rob Flippo, and you even got my guy Rod Barajas on the staff, that will actually help you out because you're going to have to rely on some of these longtime coaches and guys who've done this before to be like, hey, what am I doing about the whole alignment of my infield and my outfield and my bullpen? Like, there's a lot of questions that arise, you know, arise, arise, you know, from there. And they're lucky that Washington's bad. So Washington... They won the World Series. They paid all the costs for that. Strasburg is he's going to be paid till eternity, and he's never going to be happy. He's the orchid, as Tony Kornheiser has coined on PTI, because he's never in bloom or healthy at the time, and they're stuck paying him. Patch Corbin has recently battled the injury bug the last few seasons, and they're paying him a lot of money. And this Cade Cavalli dude just announced he had Tommy John surgery, so he's going to be out for the year. 
So they're literally saying, well, Mackenzie Gore came from San Diego and Josiah Gray came from the Dodgers, and we're going to rely on two top prospects from other teams. And Trevor Williams, who literally spent most of last year in the Mets bullpen, occasionally spot starting, and was on the Cubs also mostly in their bullpen some of the years. And he hasn't been an everyday starter on a consistent basis. And we know Strasburg is not starting the year with the team. So their pitching staff is a disaster. So there's no Scherzer. There is no Trey Turner because they traded both those guys. Both Harper left, Rendon left. They still won those series without Harper. That's another story. They traded one Soto. Daniel Murphy's gone. Everybody that pretty much matters. Michael A. Taylor's even gone. So their team is like no longer the team that they used to be. Their bullpen still has Tanner Rainey, who's been around this bullpen for a while. And Hunter Harvey, who they got from Crosstown rival Baltimore. And Carl Edwards Jr. is back after they acquired him last year. And he's been on the block. But again, bullpen sucks. They locked up Keybert Ruiz, the guy from the Dodgers, because they know he's a quality catcher. The question would be how much offense you're going to get for him. I don't really know. But they locked him up for a long-term extension, but that still makes no sense that they also got Riley Adams, who's a top prospect with Toronto. And if they're going to go with two young catchers, and you're literally just saying, Riley Adams, you're never going to have an opportunity to prove yourself everyday catcher. You're stuck as a backup in Washington. Don't make sense. Okay? And they decidedly to finally said, you know what? We need to actually go with who we should go with. So Luis Garcia, who they've had their own guy they developed, he's going to play second base. C.J. Abrams, who they got at San Diego, who was one of their prospects, he's the everyday shortstop. Third base is going to be Candelario, but there are other options on the team. They can ask the Keyboom guy who they moved to third base because Trey Turner was still a shortstop, if he's ever healthy, because he's one option on that team as well. Now, first base is either going to be Joey Manessas or... Dominic Smith. Dominic Smith is trying to try to rebound and prove that he can be a good hitter like he was a couple years ago. So he's in he and Manessis, who came out of nowhere, the journeyman, minor leaguer, they're going to be the first base of the H combination, which again gives them some pop in the lineup. And bringing in Corey Dickerson, who's more of a DH at this point, but him playing left field is fine. It's not a stretch like him playing center field or even or him playing right field, even center field a stretch, because the three of them are going to be their power guys in the lineup. Their outfield still is going to have glove first, Victor Robles, and no offense. That's, that's just what they're doing. And it looks like Lane Thomas, this Alex Call, Stone Garrett guy, are literally going to be the options in right field and backup outfield because of getting Dickerson. That makes one less decision on Davey Martinez of who's going to be in the outfield. That's really it over there. And as I mentioned, when it comes to the minor league deals, the likes of Sean Doolittle and Alex Colomay and Willie Peralta, those guys are the guys with the most experience of closing games out, but Doolittle missed most of last year, and Colomay has been good. But it looks like Colomay is probably not going to make the team, so it's like, well, your bullpen's going to stink, okay? And Anthony Bain has been on the block before. And then Chad Cool is a starting pitcher who, like Trevor Williams, ever since he left his his buddy in Pittsburgh, they all, they have bounced around a bit, and I don't really trust it. And they brought Mike Matt Adams in a minor league deal. They said they're going to keep him, but again, Dominic Smith, Joey Manessas, and and Corey Dickerson taking the first base DH left field spot. And I'm glad Michael Chavis has a contract and he's a part of a team. But if Candelario is going to be the third baseman and not Keyboom, there's no real chance that Chavis does it. And Lucius Fox, who they had last year again, he's probably not going to make it. And their minor league outfielders like Derek Hill, Yadi Hernandez, Travis Blankenhorn, again, those are just all backups. They really don't do anything. So thanks for listening to the NL East preview for the 2020-23 season where it's going to be pretty much the same as last year. Miami's lucky that Washington's going to be so bad that probably they both could lose 100 games. Miami doesn't know what they're doing with their 
position lineup, their pitching staff got worse, their bullpen stink. The Phillies, the rotation, I think, got worse. Their bullpen, they added some guys to the bullpen, but it's still been an issue for them. And having Harper out for half a season and Reese Hoskins out for the whole year, I don't matter if you had Trey Turner or not. It's a matter if you bat him lead up or not. They, I think they're going to be a third-place team again, and they're not going to go back to World Series. And it's really going to be on the Mets and the Braves. Which rotation? The Atlanta young guys rotation and their deep bullpen, or is it going to be the Mets rotation having to overcome Edwin Diaz and which lineup's better? That's really what's going to be there. It's going to be also down to Snicker and Showalter, who's the better manager. Thanks for listening on the Radar Podcast. You can get it anywhere. You can get the other podcast as well that you're looking for, and you can get everything on On the Radar Entertainment Blog and on the radar media.com. For On the Radar, this was the MLB preview for the National League. See you guys next time.